Demon Turf is a love letter in numerous ways. It's a love letter to the platformer genre, it's a love letter of self-expression for the art of gameplay, and it's a love letter of telling slapstick humor while telling a serious story of its main character finding confidence in herself to become the ruler of the Demon Kingdom, even when at that point she is still a sassy smartmouth. Now, ahead of its release next week, developer Fabraz and game lead Fabian Rastafer talk of its aims and goals for Demon Turf and how players will hopefully walk away with a better understanding of the genre. For Play Diaries, this is Press Play. I'm Johnny Cole. Let's start. There is an aura of confidence coming from Fabian Rastafer when I speak to him on his and developer Fabraz's upcoming platformer Demon Turf and throughout the entire time I am with him on a Google Meet chat. An element of that comes down from the studio's last game, Slime Sand, itself a platformer of the Twitch-timed variety that was pretty notoriously difficult in its own right. Slime Sand did critically well for the studio and gave it enough confidence, even from a 2D platformer, to strike out and try and do something different within the genre and bring any lessons learned from Slime San into its next project, its first full 3D effort. We were always kind of interested to see if we could bring that over into the 3D uh, realm and see what aspects can you take from a good feeling 2D platformer and, and adapt to a 3D environment and what, ca what can't you, what has to be changed, you know? Um, but we were always a bit hesitant at first because uh, all of our games so far have been 2D. That there is Rastafor. Fair warning, he's about to get a little technical for this next bit. And so a couple of things opened up to the possibilities, including uh, brand new tools that Unity developed, like something called ProBuilder, um, which allowed us essentially to build environments in the editor without having to do the whole like workflow of build it in Blender, import into Unity, realize the size is wrong, go back to Blender, rework it. Basically, you could do it all inside the engine. And so with that, we're suddenly like, okay, this now would potentially allow us to build levels on the fly, just like we did with Samsung with our tile editor in the editor. Um, so let's give this a shot. And so then we tried a couple of experimentations. And at first, we were thinking about a 2.5D platform or something like Clonoa, you know, where it takes some of the uh, depth into consideration. So then we experimented with that. And that's also why the, the reason why we started off with a 2D sprite. Um, and then the more we experiment, we, the more we were like, man, actually, we kind of want to have a free roaming camera. I think it'll be more fun. And so then we unlocked the camera and we started experimenting with platforming mechanics and we started seeing a lot of awesome possibilities of what things we can bring in from Slimesend and what new things we can bring in. And we still stuck with a 2D character in the 3D world. And Eventually, we decided, you know what, we're not actually then going to adapt this into a 3D model. We're going to stick with this 2D and 3D idea, um, which is a whole technical hurdle on its own. Because, of course, the most important thing with a 3D platformer is depth perception. And if you are just a flat plane, how can you, can you perceive depth accurately? And so we did a, probably a month of deep diving just to make sure that um, our ideologies and our ideas of what makes a good platformer do not clash with the aesthetic. Um, and we're really satisfied that we managed to get it to a point where I think there is nothing lost. 
um, you know exactly where the character is. The uh, positioning is all very clear. And we did a lot of work to make that happen, you know, like eight directional sprites. So like every animation has eight directions, um, intense drop shadows, collision uh, circles, uh, particle effects that mimic when a foot hits the floor to kind of, you know, ground the character. So many things that we did to make it work. Um, but from that, we kind of developed it on and on, and it became this gigantic project that's now been over two and a half years in the making, which is the longest for us ever. Um, but I'm just like insanely excited about it. As I tell Rastafor, Demon Turf has an art style that makes it feel very vivid and stands out. In another way, it pops. That comes down to a strong colour palette and, as he puts it, a strong colour association within the game. The usage of purples, oranges, reds, blues and more are a heavy occurrence throughout the game. We really wanted to kind of make sure that each world has just this very, very vivid um, colour association to it, which I think is really fun. Um, and we stuck with purple as the starting point uh, for the hub in the first level and stuff because it's kind of novel, you know, you don't start off on a green hill zone, but instead it's it's this kind of like semi-spooky, somewhat moody, but also kind of stylish environment that, that's kind of what we were shooting for. A natural assumption is that in each turf you visit across the game, each one gives off its own personality and trait as part of the art design, as well as part of the game's narrative. And you'd be right in that assumption. And it's very important because the turfs are in many ways uh, like Part of the main cast because the entire storyline is basically beeps is going to take over each turf and their and the gang and the gang leader um to then eventually take on the demon king the big honcho um and so basically each turf has its turf citizens that are unique has its gangs that are unique and have its boss that are unique and so the whole package has to feel like each one is its own world livable world um while of course being incredibly funky and goofy and weird because we love weird. <laughs> to me at least, there definitely feels like there is a Persona 5 influence in terms of some of the more visual beats of Demon Turf as well. When I bring that up to Rastafor and ask if this is intentional or not, he tells me there is definitely some of that there, along with another influence I cite to him during the course of our chat, Jet Set Radio. I mean, there's definitely a lot of inspiration when it comes to menu design because they're kings. Um, so I, I have no problem in admitting that there have been plenty of moments where I've been referring to it as a, as a, as a source of inspiration from just layouting straight up to uh, transitions. I think transitions is what is the most amazing part. Um, can't, can't say I think we've reached the same peak because that's just mastered that, but def definitely there was a lot of inspiration. Um, there's a lot of inspiration from everywhere. I mean, another thing that is a lot that inspired us a lot, especially with music, for example, was Splatoon. Um, that, like that, brat, that bratty funk, you know? Um, people bring up Jet Set Radio and stuff as well, which um, I definitely know our composers were also influenced by. Um, but yeah, there's, you know, um, I think most indie devs are to a certain degree sponges that uh, take in all the things they enjoy from all kinds of different genres um, and then put their unique twist on it. Demon Turf also wants to build upon including moments of kookiness and weirdness that are also full of humour. Part of that comes from the amount of sass that main character Beebs, 
and we'll come to her in proper detail in a moment or two, produces. And while there are moments of reflection and seriousness within the game, Rastafor makes it clear that Demon Turf wants to embrace the funny, weird and cookiness more than anything. Overall, the tone is more about just, um, yeah, like this, you know, just like, just basically, just like the inherent reaction of you have to beeps, right? Like she has this like sassy attitude. She always looks grumpy and that's just inherently bizarre and funny as a main protagonist. Rastafer wants to make things cohesive when it comes to the humor and having those earnest moments in the game too. I think the beauty is, is that when you have a game that is mostly lighthearted, the moment it becomes serious sticks out tremendously because it is a, a, a somewhat sudden shift. So there's a lot of strength in that actually, because if you try to make a game that's constantly serious in tone, constantly reflective and philosophical, eventually you're going to get somewhat tired of it. But if it is lighthearted most of the time and then gets real in certain moments, that hits, that hits home. At the center of Demon Turf is Beebs. A young demon, well, young by their standards anyway, considering she's barely a millennium old at this point, who is intent on going through all the turfs and its leaders in order to become the demon queen and the new ruler of the demon kingdom. She is also beyond quick-witted and unbelievably sassy too. Yo. So... The demon world separated into turfs. And these turfs? Yeah, they're filled with all kinds of nasties, all right. Each gang's got their big, scary leader, too. Want a tussle? Oh, God! You dare! Initiate a challenge, man. But none stand a chance at the <laughs> Demon King himself. It's time to kick his sorry butt out of here! <laughs> it's my time to shine! In developing a character like Beebs, you have to be very careful in being able to pull off the sort of snark and attitude that she possesses. She's also very much by design, a small character that is able to carry a lot of self-assurance of herself even then, although you'll definitely see those moments of doubt creep in once or twice during the course of the game. She's very confident in herself um, and, and shows off, but, 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 but doesn't really open up to anyone and is more like bratty and a little tomboyish, even though I don't really uh, love that description too much. Um, but in that kind of direction, because it's just really funny seeing a, a bratty little girl standing up to gigantic beasts and not blink an eye, you know? Um, so like, for example, the first boss, uh, the first gang leader from the Apoca Desert is this very big pig demon. And, you know, she literally refers to him within five seconds as Bacon Boy. Um, she, she has that crazy approach to all of this, but it's just so endearing somehow. And I, I think a lot of people have really clicked with her. Um, but there's also a bigger reason for it because it, it, it's it's part of that uh, narrative drive of friendship because at, at her core, she's actually somewhat um, lacks confidence. You know, she makes up for it with that bratish, uh, bratishness, but she's actually lacks some confidence and really is in search of recognition. Um, 
you know, when, when she says she wants to, she can, she's going to do something and nobody believes her, that really gets her at her core. That isn't to say Beeb's sassiness has pushed anyone away from her to the point no one wants to be friends with her. She definitely has friends in the game. Um, and so the, 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 the story that will progress a little bit are basically about her two friends, uh, Midgey and Lucy. Midgey being her rock, the one who actually supports her and believes her from the, from the get-go, and Lucy, who is slightly older than her, um, and kind of just like, you know, like, oh yeah, go do your little adventure, Beebsy, go for it. But like, doesn't, doesn't really believe in her, kind of belittles her. And that, that, that develops over time where, where Lucy kind of realizes that despite her being the eldest, she was actually acting the least mature. Um, so there is a, there's, a, there's a narrative drive for that, uh, for, for the character that we go to. More than anything else, Demon Turf wants to be a tribute to the platformer games Fabraz has made in the past, such as Slime Sand, as well as other platforming games of iconic stature. For one, Rasta first sights Banjo Kazooie. Not too much of a surprise considering itself being one of the most renowned games of the genre in the past two decades, as well as the old rare ties laid dormant at the spiritual successor, Ukulele, from the development side of Platonic and we'll get to the publishing side of Platonic in a second. Another platforming influence for Demon Turf, and act a little surprised here at least, is Super Mario 64. There were plenty of influences that all had little impacts on our design philosophies. What we basically looked for the most, and this was, and, and I, I, admittedly I think Mario probably had the biggest influence overall, but not just in the 3D realm, also in the 2D realm. Um, but what, what, what we were looking for the most and what we kind of were wanted to focus on the most is that we wanted to have um, a, a hidden depth to the platform. We wanted to have a complexity that is, 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 is explorable, but doesn't overburden the player if they don't want to use it, right? Um, and so, that, so the equivalent of Mario 64, for example, is everybody knows how to do a triple jump and a regular jump, but it gets a little bit more nuanced for who uses a side jump, uh, who uses a long jump, and we wanted to lean into that a little bit, but then go even further in terms of doing it combinatorial. And so Beeb's, I think, in terms of moveset complexity, um, has probably one of the most out of all of the three 3D platformers I've played. Um, but a lot of them are not necessary. They're simply there um, for you to explore if you have the skills or the willingness to do so. And that was very important to us because what I find so beautiful about 3D platformers is that the, the movement is your expression as a player, right? Like when you, in, in other games, you express yourself through the means of customizing your character uh, or, you know, setting certain skills in a skill tree in an RPG. But who are you in a 3D platformer? You are the way you move. You express yourself through the movement. And so if there's enough depth in it, You'll develop your own playstyle, and you'll you'll be engrossed in that in a, in a way that creates a really integral flow to the whole thing. For that aspect of player expression through gameplay, I say to Rasta for how Jet Set Radio feels like the game that very much seems to nail that feeling. That and to a lesser extent, the Tony Hawk games. Yes, they're both skating games, not platforming games. I get that. I know that. 
But as I say the rest of it, they still feel like good examples of expression for gameplay and movement. Yeah, definitely. And I think just leaning into that is kind of what's exciting. Like we, uh, the Demon Turk Trials, we had such an insane, awesome competition every week for people to be the top of the leaderboard of that weekly challenge. Um, and I, I could, I, I've got, we, we have a core fat, like basically speedrunning uh, fan base now on our Discord. And I can probably, if you would just give me random videos, I could probably guess who is who based on just how they're playing and what moves they're using and what combinations they do. If you've been keeping up with the game throughout its development, you'll know a demo of the game has been available for a while on PC via Steam, Demon Turf Trials. It's a leaderboard based demo of the game where new challenges are added on a weekly basis. A speedrunning community has been built up around the game as a result of it. I'm really happy to see that it, it panned out and actually exceeded our expectations. Um, I think the, 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 the crazy thing about Demon Trip Trials is that it essentially became our early access release in a weird way. Like it's, it's technically just a demo, but people have played it so much, you know, you know there's, there, we have dozens of players who have 100 or 200 hours in that demo now. Um, and we were getting so much feedback from them. We also learned so much from watching their videos that it absolutely influenced our design. And we, you know, emphasize certain things, de-emphasize other things um, based on, on, on that feedback loop from the demo, um, making the game way better than what we initially could have ever hoped for, I think, which is really kind of fascinating. And they're active in Discord all the time, send us fan art. They set up a speedrun.com page. They set up a Wikia page. They set, I think they, somebody submitted a Wikipedia page full stop as well. Like they're all being like really awesome. Um, like the kind of fans you build when you launch a game, not when you launch a demo. Um, so it's been a really novel, fascinating ride. As mentioned earlier, Platonic Friends, the publishing side of the studio behind one of the biggest platformers in recent years with ukulele, is helping to publish Demon Turf following the label's introduction back in February of this year. In fact, Demon Turf was the first game announced to be published by Platonic Friends. We honestly were just fortunate enough that they reached out to us um, saying, yo, Demon Turf looks cool, do you want to you wanna talk? And uh, that was before they announced their publishing department. Um, so we, you know, were very curious because we had no idea that that's something they're going into. And we immediately clicked on the call. Um, just really, everything seemed awesome. Um, and their, their their game plan that they wanted to to do with us, if we partner up, uh, was fantastic. And yeah, it was kind of a no-brainer for us to team up. I mean, just alone from the fact that you know we're we're now working with giants who have had their hands on games we've absolutely grown up with, um, which is amazing. Despite the expertise Platonic's development site has gained in making ukulele, Rastafer says that it has always been hands-off when it comes to the creative side of things, and that its focus has been on business development, publishing, and porting the game to all the platforms. Gavin as in Platonic Managing Director and Creative Lead Gavin Price. Gavin has just constantly been praising the game basically to the moon and back, which has been an amazing experience. Um, even saying, you know, it's uh, 
my, 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 they, they might pick a couple ideas for their next titles, and I'm just like, ah, oh, stop it. That's, that's way too cute. Um, and it really was, it's more, they were just helping more on the, on the business side, the marketing side, the porting side, and just being incredibly supportive people. Um, and there's just moments of, that are completely surreal. Like, for example, we were optimizing the game for the Switch, which nowadays gets really difficult, especially if you have a game that both supposed to run on a Series X and on the Switch. You know, it's like, I mean, the, the, the hardware gap couldn't be bigger at that point. And so I was, I was, there was a moment where I was complaining, like, ah, oh, optimizing is the worst. You know, like, I, I, I just can't, I did, this is just so annoying. And then, uh, Jens, who is helping us with the PlayStation 4 and 5 port, said like, ah, oh, you know, this is nothing. Um, I remember when I had to make uh, Donkey Kong Country work on the Game Boy. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, okay, yeah, that probably was more difficult. <laughs> Demon Turf is set to launch next week on seven platforms. Xbox Series X and S, PlayStation 5, Xbox One, PlayStation 4, Nintendo Switch, PC via Steam, and the Epic Games Store. That is a lot of platforms, friends. As Rastafor puts it, it's in that last bit of development of the game where it feels like the bulk of development really happens. I, I tend to say the last 5% are the remaining 95%. <laughs> um, basically, it's, it's the hardest part of any game. The hardest part of shipping a game is that very final step because you, you're trying to squash all the bugs, but oftentimes the way it goes is you squash one and 10 new ones emerge from that fix and so you kind of feel like you're just kind of you know i don't know if you know that gift from wallace and bromit where, where you're kind of playing the tracks while the train is going um it, you feel like that basically where it just it never ends um and then simultaneously you have there's there's platform specific bugs that you have to all address and you can only test on the dev kit hardware um and all of their got you know and every platform has also their own guidelines that you have to follow um and then you have to go through qa with every uh, console as well um and it's just it's it's a it can be a pretty mind-numbing process at that point um so it's it's the top it's, i for me at least personally for our team it's always been the the hardest part um yeah because the creative part is done you know like you, you can't you're not there with a the brush anymore like ah i'll try this and i'll try that now you're just like can i even touch this object is it gonna break something else i don't know as i said um it's the creative person's nightmare once you handle the creative side of things, you then have to go off and do the tedious and boring administrative stuff. Pretty much. And thankfully, at least, Platonic has been helping us a lot on this part. I mean, that's uh, like a huge amount of, you know, uh, weight off our shoulders because they're helping out. The key thing that Rastafar wants players to take away from Demon Turf is a mantra that Fabraz has taken to heart over the course of the development of the games that it has put out to date that if it provides even a single solitary moment of escapism from what is going on in the world, both at large or even within the player's world, it'll have been worth the time spent making the game. In many regards, the same that I've always had with any game releasing from Fabras is that if it can give you just a moment of escape from your real life, a moment of getting lost in this fantastical made-up world, uh, a single smile or a chuckle or even a laugh, if you're fortunate enough, that's everything to me. Um, and if there are kids who can play it and grow up with it and then think about it back fondly, that's just the ultimate gift. So my, my, my biggest hope is that people play the game, 
enjoy it as a game, but also enjoy just getting lost in this wacky world that we created. Press Play is hosted, written, and produced by me, Johnny Kong. What is with this sassy lost child? Special thanks to Greg Jones and Stefano Petrullo. Press Play is a podcast from PlayDiaries.com, a website that focuses on telling interesting, unique, and compelling stories about video games, the people behind them on both the AAA and indie sides, as well as culturally, and taking a look at them in a different, critical way. For real, for definite, for genuine, the next episode of Press Play absolutely, positively, will be on Wholesome Games as a movement and Wholesome Games the community featuring co-founders James Tillman, Matthew Taylor, as well as Wholesome Direct presenter Jenny Wyndham. As I said in the last episode of Press Play, you'll hear from them discuss how the Wholesome Games Twitter account has become a significant pillar in terms of putting these sorts of games in front of a wider audience, the community has built up and a lot more, as well as from independent developers on the games they've been building that are cozy and wholesome, and how they see the wholesome aspect of the industry, as well as more tied to it. You'll have that arrive within the next two weeks by the time this comes out. Promise. For more news on that, as well as other future Press Play episodes, stay tuned by keeping up to date by following our social media channels on Twitter or Facebook, just search Play Diaries. If you like what you've heard here or read elsewhere in Play Diaries, the best way you can support us is by becoming a Patreon to our Patreon at patreon.com playdiaries. A dollar a month gets you in on the ground level and is massively appreciated for the work put out. Consider the tip jar sorts. But two dollars a month gets you 24 hour exclusive access to new episodes of Press Play and my favourite game including the upcoming new season next year. And we'll have a bit more news to share on that around the time that wholesome games episode of Press Play drops. Before they go live publicly. And in the case of the upcoming wholesome games episode, that will have a 48 hour early access window due to its unique nature. So if you want to listen to that before it gets out publicly, sign up to our podcast early access tier on Patreon. And for more stuff like this in the future, both in podcast and written form, please visit playdiaries.com. Thanks very much for listening.